Well, good evening, church. Well, this is kind of awkward. Sure, uh, a lot of you, you're probably sitting there thinking, what in the world is Mike doing up there? Don't we have enough preachers in this place? I don't know. I was kind of wondering that myself. Um, really, I, I think what, what's going on here is uh, I've had a number of people asking me ever since I got here back in May. Um, they'd say things, you know, well, the teens always get to hear you, but when do we get to hear you? And I would just respond, I don't know, because um, I didn't know. But I did ask Steve and Toby, or as any famous you know, couple, if you want to call them that, you have to combine their names, it's Stoby around the office, at least to me. Uh, so I asked Stoby, I said, well, can, can, can I fill in at some point? Maybe it might be good for me to, to get a chance to uh, address the congregation. And, and so here I am, uh, I am filling in this evening, and, and I don't know if they, they chose Labor Day weekend uh, hoping maybe there'd be less people for me to scare off. Um, I don't know, but but I am here, and I am very grateful and thankful that they have allowed me uh, this opportunity to uh, to fill in to preach to you tonight. Uh, well, a little over a year ago, last summer, summer 2014, um, I had the opportunity to uh, preach in my hometown of Wichita Falls, Texas, um, about four and a half hour drive straight south from here, the other Wichitas, I sometimes say. Um, I was able to preach there at the congregation where I grew up attending, Faith Village Church of Christ. Uh, And they were doing a summer series entitled, What the Church Needs to Hear. So I presented this sermon on what I felt the church needed to hear. Um, And really kind of my reasoning behind that was because it's something that I need to hear. Um, quite often, actually, and, and I figured if I needed to hear it, then other Christians probably needed to hear it as well. Uh, so I've entitled this lesson, Take Time to Be Holy, just like the hymn in our song, number 731. In fact, you might have noticed me carrying a songbook up here. If you wouldn't mind, grab a songbook, turn to number 731. And this evening, my hope is that you will join with me in spending some time here allowing God's Word to to shed a little bit of light on the lyrics to this song. And I wanted to start off with a few questions, though. Why is it that we sing? I mean, what's really the purpose behind our hymns? Who really benefits from these songs? Now, I have to stop at this point and tell you a little bit about my four-and-a-half-year-old daughter now, four-year-old daughter, Lila. Um, there's, you, you can ask the teens, there's hardly a lesson that goes by where I don't talk about my kids at some point. Uh, they obviously are a huge part of my life. But my daughter, Lila, she's, she's at that age where, you know, she doesn't really just want to um, lay there at bedtime and hear me sing songs to her. In fact, she's kind of at that age where she wants to pretend like she's putting me to sleep. And, you know, Daddy, go to sleep. And she puts a blanket over me, and, and she wants to sing the songs to me. Um, and sometimes we will sing songs together. So among various, you know, Disney princess songs, uh, she really enjoys singing some of those classic children's church songs like Jesus Loves Me and This Little Light of Mine and the B-I-B-L-E. The best part is, sometimes I catch her singing those songs when she's off playing by herself or going potty or something. Um, and even even more so, sometimes I can... I catch her trying to teach the songs to her little brother, our our two-year-old, Liam. You know, I find it very encouraging. I find it uplifting whenever I hear my daughter singing those songs and wanting to teach those songs to our son. And it got me thinking about the role that these songs play in our time of worship together. 
You know, our songs are not only meant for praising God. As many of them as we have sung tonight, they, they deal with praising God and worshiping God. But not only that, but they're also designed for instruction and encouragement of the body. Ephesians 5, verse 19, it tells us to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And over in Colossians 3, verse 16, it tells us to let the word of Christ... Excuse me, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So it's really with that particular purpose in mind that I believe this song, number 731, Take Time to Be Holy, contains a very important message in in regards to the Christian life. When you stop and really examine the lyrics, as we're going to do a little bit tonight, you notice that this is not a song of praise. It's a song of instruction. And I think we can all agree that as children of God, we are called to live holy lives. 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So this evening our focus, it's not so much on the topic of holiness. I mean, after all, it's God who ultimately makes us holy through the blood of Christ. You, you might have heard Steve and Toby over the summer talking about that positional holiness that we have when we come into contact with the blood of Christ. But really, but rather we're focusing more tonight on the idea of taking the time to pursue that holy life, that practical holiness that you've heard them teaching about. So the lyrics of this song, they're going to kind of serve as the basis for our study, but it's all rooted in God's Word. So, like I said, I, I have the songbook up here with me because I thought it would be good for us to, to sing this together, to hear these words as we, we sing them together. Um, and in, in order to do this, um, I thought it would be fun to make y'all stand, if you, uh, if, if you can, if it's convenient for you, to stand. And I want you to face towards the middle, face one another. And we're actually going to start off singing the second verse to this song. And then we'll talk a little bit about that. So starting with the second verse. Take time to be First of all, I want you to note how the song here, it assumes that we all, in fact, have a need to take time. There is a need for all of us to take time. And if you notice here, it's expressed at the beginning of the second verse. It says, the world rushes on. Now, I don't know if you noticed down at the bottom of the page there of when these words were actually written. I don't know, I find it amazing. They were originally penned in 1882. I mean, how, how, how fast could the world have been moving in 1882? But if the world was rushing on 133 years ago, if it was moving that fast, 
how much more do we need to hear these words in our world today? I mean, this is an all-too-familiar reality. We live in a very fast-paced world. We know that our time here is short. James chapter 4, verse 14, a famous verse that you probably all know here, he asks the question, what is your life? You are a mist. Some translations say a vapor that is here for a little while and then vanishes. I found it interesting. I found a a poem as I was preparing for this sermon entitled, What Happened to Time? And it reminded me of how quickly time really does march on in this life. The poem reads, When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. And later, as older I grew, time flew. Soon I shall, I shall find, while traveling on, time gone. You know, as we think about this idea of time rushing on and time mar- marching forward, we need to stop and realize that time management, it really does lie on our shoulders. It's an individual thing. We all have choices of how we are going to spend the time given to us each day, how we are going to plan out that time. So I need to ask you, how often do you allow other activities, the busyness of your schedule, or perhaps even just simple wasted time, occupy those moments that you should be spending with God? I mean, since we allow ourselves to get so caught up in the hustle and bustle and busyness of this world, it's no wonder God told us through the psalmist in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. If we're not careful, we may be swept away by the hustle and bustle and busyness of this world and miss those moments, those opportunities to pursue holiness and spend time with God. So this brings me to the next phrase in our, our song. It says there in verse 2, to spend much time in secret. Simply put, I think this tells us that it does indeed take time to pursue that holiness. And notice it's not just a little time or some time, but much time. Really, this is the key presumption upon which this whole entire song is based. As I mentioned earlier, When we come into contact with the blood of Christ, when we come into contact with that sacrifice, as writers such as Hebrews 10.10, it tells us that we are then made holy. It's that positional holiness that we have. But since we've been made holy by God through Christ, we are then compelled and called by God to live a holy life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 Verses 7 and 8, he said, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his spirit. So it's then that practical holiness that we are pursuing on a daily basis. Well, because God has given us his spirit, we are compelled then to constantly pursue that holiness. Meaning there has to be effort on our part. We have to be involved in this. We cannot hope to live up to what God has called us to if we are never taking the time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul, he, he writes near the end of that chapter, 
How we are not supposed to yoke together with wickedness or with darkness because we have been separated from that through Christ. Um, again, you heard Toby this morning say, talk about the church, ecclesia, the called out ones. We are separated from them as God's children. And this is why in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 he says, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Now catch this, he says, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So to Paul here, it is possible for a Christian to attain and perfect that kind of holiness that God wants for our lives. I'm reminded of um, the six years that I was a coach uh, at a junior high in Wichita Falls. Um, those, those six years I spent teaching and coaching before we headed out to Lubbock uh, to attend Sunset International Bible Institute. And there's a common phrase that you hear in the coaching world, um, and you hear it quite often, actually. And a lot of you have probably said it to, to your own children, or maybe if you've coached at some point. But it's the phrase, practice makes perfect, right? You see, an athlete, they have to take that time practicing and training and visualizing their goal if they ever hope to, to reach it, to attain it. And it's really no different for us in the Christian life and in our Christian walk. Philippians 3.14, he talks, Paul talks there about pressing on towards the goal to win the prize. That's what we are called to do as well. So I think it's clear we all have a need to take time to be holy. I think Peter, he also made it quite clear when he wrote to us in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. Verses 10 to 11, he said, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Well, the only way we'll ever live holy and godly lives is if we are taking the time to pursue those holy and godly lives. And I need to remind you that it's you, you alone, that have that choice and have control over how you are going to be spending the time in your day. So now that we've seen and understand that we all have this need to take time, let's find out a little bit about how we can take time by examining some of the ways mentioned in our song. So I hate to do this to you again, but stand up and face the middle again, face one another. And this time we're going to sing the first verse of our song. If if you don't want to stand, maybe just kind of shift your body towards the middle, because this is a song that we're singing to one another. So verse one, take time to be holy. Please. 
So notice there are ways that we can take time. Here in our song, right off the bat, verse 1, we see that one of the ways in which we can take time is by spending time in prayer. That first verse, it starts with the phrase, speak oft with thy Lord. You know, I think a good example of this, of, of, of this being lived out to us comes from the Apostle Paul, his example um, especially in the first letter to the church in Thessalonica, we read in First Thessalonians one and uh, chapter one, verse three, and in chapter two, verse thirteen, how Paul he would continually spend time in prayer for the church there in Thessalonica for for all kinds of reasons. So it's no wonder then that he would tell them at the very end of his letter, First Thessalonians five, verses sixteen through eighteen: Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, furthermore, I think we can see this throughout the Gospels. Jesus himself would spend significant amounts of time in prayer. Let's, let's take Luke's account, for example. Luke's Gospel. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16 it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and, and what? Took a nap or ate a snack? No, and prayed. And then over in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, maybe just a page over, it says, in one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Now, just stop for a minute and, and imagine how busy Jesus must have been in his three years of ministry here on earth. I mean, the guy more than likely walked everywhere, yet he spent the night praying? I don't know, it's tough for me to spend a couple minutes sometimes, especially at night after getting the kids to bed, right? I think Jesus understood the value of spending that time with his father, Spending that time with God, speaking often with God. And then Jesus himself, he, he encourages us over in Luke chapter 11 to be persistent in our prayers. And, and what is the result of being persistent in our prayers and, and constantly being in prayer? Well, he tells us at the, towards the end of Luke chapter 11, or at least the, the end of that section, verses 11 through 13. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And over in Matthew's account of this same dialogue here, Jesus says, and the Father gives us good gifts. He just repeats that phrase there. I think the benefit here is that God blesses us with good things. God blesses us with good answers to our prayers. It may not always be the answers we want, but we can know that they're good because it's what God wants. I will be done, right? Well, another way in which we can take time, we've talked about prayer, but we can also take time by spending time in the Word. A little later in the first verse of our song, it says, and feed on his word. That word feed there, it reminds me of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. 
I can find it. There it is. First Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Of course, the, the Hebrew writer, he tells us that we are to move on from that, that milk. We are supposed to move on in spiritual mer- uh, maturity to solid food. And he says over there in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You know, I think it's a fact and safe to assume that we all agree here that we eat food because our bodies require it. It requires it for nutrients and and for energy. And if we're constantly eating poorly, well, then naturally our bodies are going to be unhealthy. And if we choose a more healthy diet, then hopefully our bodies will flourish, right? It's really the same in spending time in God's Word. So I have to ask you how your spiritual diet is going these days. In order to properly feed ourselves spiritually, we must spend constant time in God's word. In James chapter 1, he talks about this. James 1, verses 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now catch verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and what? And continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. I think James there, he's telling us that we don't, we don't always just have to spend Time in God's word continually and be in it continually. But the key here from verse 25 is that we need to be in his word with intent, with purpose in mind. The original word there about looking intently at it, the original language, it it also means to inspect something with curiosity. As if to become acquainted with that something, whatever it is you're inspecting. Um, I can't help but think about my son, Liam. He's two and a half, or almost two and a half now. Whenever we give him some new food, something he's never had before, I mean, what does any toddler do when they, they get some new food? Well, they immediately pick it up, and they, they look at it for a, a minute, and they kind of squish it around in their hand, and probably wipe it on their sister, or, you know, maybe smell it a little bit. And at some point, they might actually taste it. But that's the idea here. It's inspecting something with curiosity, wanting to learn as much as you can about it. And that's what it's talking about here in verse 25. And that's how we as Christians should be with our Bibles, looking at things intently and with purpose in mind. And what's the result of spending this much time in God's word? Well, at the end of verse 25 there, it's the same that we talked about with prayer. God will bless us when we're seeking him diligently. While we're on the topic of feeding on God's word, I, I once read of this old American Indian tale. 
which recounted the story of a, a war chief um, talking to a gathering of young braves, young warriors, about the struggle within every man. And the, the war chief, he said, it is like two dogs fighting inside of us. There is one dog who wants to do the right and the other dog who always wants to do the wrong. Sometimes the good dog seems stronger and is winning the fight, but sometimes the bad dog is stronger and wrong is winning the fight. Well, one of the young warriors, the young braves, he, he spoke up and he asked the chief, he, he said, well, who is going to win the fight in the end? And the chief looked at him and answered, the one you feed. Well, that's why I sound a little weird, weird question, but it's a good question to ask. What dog or which dog have you been feeding in your life? You know, we should never underestimate the importance of staying close to God by spending time in prayer and spending time in his word. And just always remember James 4, 8 that talks about draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So at this point, I don't know, you may be asking yourself, well, what's in it for me? We've seen so far that we all have this need to take time, and there are a few ways that we can take time. So I want to look now at some of the other benefits of taking time. And I hate to do this to you again, but we're going to sing the third verse. So if you can stand or maybe just shift your body, face the middle, face one another as we finish our song, take time to be holy. Verse 3. Take time to be holy. I won't make you stand anymore. But, well, actually, I will when we're done. Thus, I Charles kind of would. So here, we do have, in fact, some benefits to taking the time. And I think we can all agree here that the ultimate goal of discipleship is becoming like Christ. And I'm actually going to have to backtrack in the song and go back to the second verse for a little bit. We, we read at the end of the second verse of the song, it says, Abiding in Jesus... Like him thou shalt be. You know, Jesus himself, he tells us over in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, that we can become like him. Luke chapter 6, verse 40 says, A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. You know, normally when someone is starting a new job, they, they get some sort of instruction manual or training manual, and they're expected to study through that and learn everything about that, so they'll learn how to do their job. Well, as Christians, this one's ours. This is our instruction manual, and we just got done talking about how important it is to feed on his word. And we also know that this, this Christ-likeness, becoming like him, we know that this is foreordained by God. Romans 8 verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
I mean, is Christ's likeness something we really long for? Are we like Paul in Philippians 3.10 where he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. When we choose to diligently take time to abide with him, that is, to live with him, to, to um, take up residence with Jesus, when we're doing that, then we are, or he is able to transform us more into his likeness. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. Where does this come from, this glory? It comes from the the Lord who is the Spirit. Well, the great thing about undergoing that kind of transformation is that it will be noticed by others. The last part of the second verse of our song, it says, Thy friends and thy conduct his likeness shall see. One of the best examples of, of this kind of Christ-likeness and, and others noticing it, I think it comes to us out of Acts chapter 4. You probably all know, back in Acts chapter 2, you know, P- Peter delivered that first gospel sermon there on the day of Pentecost. The, the church was established, 3,000 added to their number. Well, from there, not long after that, Peter and John, uh, they're going to be arrested for healing a crippled beggar and then preaching Jesus to the crowd of onlookers that were there. And, of course, they're going to be taken before the, the high priest and other Jewish officials and teachers of the law there in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, they boldly proclaim Christ. They say, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I love that verse. But I want you to notice verse 13. Sometimes we stop there, and, and it's, it's a good verse. It's a powerful verse. But look at verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I'd say that Peter and John had been transformed or were being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And it was easily noticed by those around them. Granted, they, had the, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, but we too, in pursuing holiness, can come to have that same boldness and courage and Christ-likeness. And I don't know if that's something you long for in your life, but personally, I want that. I want others to take note that I have been with Christ. So another major benefit that comes along when we take time to be holy, is that God most certainly will bless us. And I have talked about this a little bit. I've alluded to it earlier, talked about prayer and being in the Word. But in our song, in the third verse, which we just sang, it brings light to a few of those blessings. The first part of verse 3, it says, Be calm in thy soul. I believe that God, He will bless us with peace, with peace of mind when we seek him in prayer and we're staying close to him in the word. And as Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, me and the teens just finished up a study of the book of Philippians, but he says there in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Why, Paul? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, that scripture there in in mentioning the guarding of our hearts and the guarding of our minds, I think it ties in well with the rest of our song. The rest of verse 3 there, it speaks of our thoughts being beneath his control and how our spirit or how his spirit leads us to fountains of love. And those lyrics, they, they remind me of Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I don't really fully understand that kind of peace from Philippians and that kind of love here in Ephesians. Obviously, they surpass all understanding and knowledge. I don't fully understand that, but I want it. And I hope that you do too in your life. When we stop and consider all of these benefits, growing more into the image of Christ, being blessed with that inner peace, renewed strength, a realization of God's love for us, I would hope that that would be sufficient motivation for us to stop and take the time to be holy. So this evening, I hope you've seen through this study that we all, in fact, have a need to take time, that there are some ways for us to take time, and that there are benefits to taking time to be holy. We should always keep in mind the fact that when it comes to how we spend our time, it's up to us as individuals. We all have choices on how we are going to spend that time each and every day. So as we finish this time together, as we finish up this lesson, I want you to reflect on how much time you've been spending lately. How's your prayer life? Have you been spending time in God's word? Would others say that they have seen Christ in you or recognize that you have been with Christ? If you feel any of those are lacking, then I want to challenge you to make that change now. Take the time to be holy so just like the song concludes, thou soon shall be fitted for service above. And if you're needing prayers this evening, if you're wanting to know more about how the blood of Christ can make you holy, if you're ready to put him on in the waters of baptism to become like him, reenacting his death, burial, and resurrection, then we'd love to speak with you about that. We'd love to pray with you. So come now as we stand and as we sing.